You ain't heard nothing yet. Get around, little bitch. What am I going to do? Frankly, my dear, I'm going to make him an offer. You talking to me? Are you not entertained? I don't know who you are. Why so simple? When I'm good, I'm very good. Simple. But when I'm bad, I'm better. He's the lion! Hello, and welcome back to the Tinsel Factory. My name is Caitlin, and I'm your host. Happy Golden Globe Sunday, everybody. If you want to watch them tonight and you have cable or your parents' cable password like I do, the show will be on in the U.S. on NBC at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. In the future, I'll probably do predictions and such, but I am woefully behind watching movies this year, and I don't want to talk out my ass more than I already do on this podcast. Making a Film History podcast has impeded quite a bit on my film watching, and that irony isn't lost on me. Also, apologies if any banging sneaks through in today's recording. It seems that no matter what time of day I record this podcast, there's somebody moving in or out of this building, arguing loudly, or in the case of Monday of this week, lighting the building's dumpster on fire. That's right, I had a literal dumpster fire at my place this week. Today, we're wrapping up Love is Dead with two people who were the America's sweethearts of the early 2000s. They've been married significantly less than anyone we've covered this month, but the public fixation with their relationship, despite having ended 16 years ago, still garners a great deal of interest in the tabloids. I, of course, am talking about Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. Adding on to that, I also want to touch on tabloids a bit this week as the morality of modern celebrity journalism has once again come into question over the last month or so. As you may have discerned from the last three episodes of this month, the press has almost always had a symbiotic relationship with the film industry and the celebrity that comes along with it. In the early days, film studios would use the press to shape the public personas of their budding stars, and the press would print the papers that would make money from the public. As the medium has developed, tabloids gained the power to shape a celebrity's public perception, often by speculating on their romantic lives or photographing them maybe doing some stuff they shouldn't be doing, and then publishing it in a magazine or in today's world online. Even today, paparazzi and tabloid culture have the power to shape the public's perception of celebrities without having to worry too much about the nuances of a situation they might be exploiting. Most people aren't going to see celebrities as real people, merely a different character they portray on their screens and therefore a target for blatant scrutiny and judgment. This can lead to decades of speculation, like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston's relationship, like we'll cover today, or it can lead to the complete destruction of someone's life, like Britney Spears, or even a death, like in the case of Princess Diana, whom died in a car crash after fleeing paparazzi. There's a spectrum of celebrity journalism, and where do we find the line of what's acceptable and what's not when it comes to the depiction of public figures' private lives? With that, let's take our places. It's showtime. Thank you. 
William Bradley Pitt was born December 18, 1963, in Shawnee, Oklahoma, to William Alvin Pitt and Jane Etta Pitts. The young actor grew up primarily in Springfield, Missouri, where he spent his youth playing sports, acting in school musicals, and taking part in several clubs. Real All-American stuff. After graduation, he attended the University of Missouri, where he majored in journalism. Brad would leave U of M two weeks shy of completing his degree to pursue acting. Jennifer Joanna Aniston was born February 11, 1969 in Los Angeles to John Aniston and Nancy Dow. Jennifer was born into a showbiz family, her father an actor best known for his work on Days of Our Lives. Aniston primarily grew up in New York, where she began studying acting at the age of 11 and attended the Fiorello H. LaGuardia High School. Jen began her career in off-Broadway productions while working as a telemarketer, waitress, and bike messenger to make ends meet. Her first on-screen role was an uncredited part in the American, not-so-classic, Mac and Me in 1988. She returned to Los Angeles in 1989, where she starred in several short-lived television series, including Ferris Bueller, the TV spinoff of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Other early projects included Leprechaun in 1993 and guest appearances on shows like Quantum Leap. Frustrated with four television series she'd been cast in being canceled in a row, she would soon, with help of the head of NBC Entertainment, Warren Littlefield, be cast as Rachel Green in the television show Friends, which began its 10-year run in 1994. Brad began his career the stereotypical way most pretty boys from outside of Los Angeles do, struggling in Los Angeles. But he studied with an acting coach and eventually landed small, uncredited parts in the late 1980s. His first credited role would be a two-episode arc on the soap Another World. Other television roles soon followed. In 1988, he had his first film role in the Yugoslavian U.S. co-produced film The Dark Side of the Sun. The late 80s and early 90s saw him in increasingly larger and larger films, eventually culminating in his role in Thelma and Louise. In the 1991 film, Brad played a small role as a criminal whom befriends Thelma. Their love scene in the film catapulted Brad into sex symbol status, which he has maintained for the last 30 years. Friends became a worldwide phenomenon almost overnight, making a star out of Jen and her co-stars. Throughout her run on the show, Jen would be nominated for five Emmys for her portrayal of Rachel Green. Also during her run on Friends, she would star in films such as Office Space and The Good Girl. Brad spent the 90s starring in films like A River Runs Through It and then the role of Louie in Interview with the Vampire. Despite bad reviews on his performance, the actor continued working steadily with turns in Legends of the Fall in 94 and then 7 in 95. Dude was in a lot of movies in the 90s, so let's just do some highlights. 12 Monkeys, which saw his first nominations for the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards, 7 Years in Tibet in 1997, which got him banned from entering China, and Meet Joe Black in 1998. Basically, by the end of the 90s, everything was coming up Brad and Jen. Jen was on one of the top TV shows in the world. Her hair haircut on the show was as much a cultural phenomenon as the show itself. Brad Pitt was a full-blown sex symbol who closed at the 90s as one of the most popular actors in the world. In the press, their dating lives were already a source of speculation. Brad had already been linked to many of his co-stars, including Robin Givens and Juliette Lewis. After meeting her while shooting Seven, Brad would have a three-year relationship with Gwyneth Paltrow. Jen's was less publicly known, but she did date Tate Donovan, whom played her love interest Joshua on Friends. 
both crazy stupid famous for their respective bodies of work, Brad and Jen became reacquainted after first meeting four years earlier in 1994. Their managers were friends, and those same managers, according to Rolling Stone, set up a date between the two in 1998. In a 2004 interview with Diane Sawyer, Jen would say that she knew they were meant to be on that first date. After months of speculation in the press, Brad and Jen made their first official appearance together at the 1999 Emmy Awards. Two months later, in November, rumors of engagement were sparked when the two went on stage at a Sting concert, like we all do, and Jen had a ring on that finger, as they like to say. I hate myself. Anyway, Brad and Jen were getting hitched. Mr. and Mrs. Brad Pitt snapped just after they tied the knot. Brad Pitt's in a black tuxedo, Jennifer Aniston in a white satin silk gown. It was beautiful. It's the first marriage for both. How do you think they'll go? I think it's going to last. I hope it does with the amount of money they spent. On July 29th, 2000, Brad and Jen were married on a Malibu bluff in front of 200 guests. The wedding reportedly cost $1 million and included 50,000 flowers, four different bands, a gospel choir, and of course, fireworks. Only one official photo of the couple on their wedding day was released. For the next two years, the two cement their America sweetheart status, appearing on red carpet after red carpet together, their faces emblazoned on pretty much every tabloid magazine at the grocery checkout line, speculating about their lives together and when, oh when, are they gonna have a baby? Other than their public appearances together, the couple didn't really provide glimpses into their private life together, allowing tabloids and magazines to speculate wildly. Jen would say in an interview with The Guardian in 2004 that they were thinking about babies for whatever that's worth. Quote, it's time. It's time. You know, I think you can work with a baby. I think you can work pregnant. I think you can do all of it. So I'm just truly looking forward to slowing down. She was supposed to be commenting on her career after Friends for that interview. But, you know, it was Brad and Jen. And that apparently trumped anything going on in her career. Cracks in the relationship were, in hindsight, apparent even early on. In 2003, in an article with W Magazine, when asked if Brad was the love of her life, she said, quote, Is he the love of my life? I think you're always sort of wondering, are you the love of my life? I mean, I don't know. I've never been someone who says he's the love of my life. He's certainly a big love in my life. And I know that we have something special, especially in all this chaos. In this nutty, brilliant, wonderful, hard business that we have, it's nice to have somebody who's anchored and knows you, really knows all of you. So, you know, a complex adult relationship in which Jen and Brad had adult complex feelings. In early 2004, with both of their careers booming and therefore them spending more and more time away from each other on location, Brad started shooting the film Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Angelina Jolie. Marriage is, 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 is an interesting process, ongoing, isn't it's it? It's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. It's phenomenal. And I loved hearing you say, at least I read this in the Vanity Fair article, where you were saying that maybe it's not, maybe two people, the nature of two people is not meant to be with each other forever. Well, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure what I was talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, but there's just so much pressure on that from, from yeah. day one. And, and to me... To me, or to Jen and I, it's always been about getting everything on the table. What you and said was, here it is together. in the prompter. We don't cage each other with this pressure of happily ever after. You figure it out as you go along. Jen and I always made a pact. We'll see where this is going. I'm not sure it really is our nature to be with someone for the rest of our lives because you just made this pact. 
You keep going as long as you keep growing. When that dies, we do, but it constantly surprises me. It's good fun. We still have that friendship. We still, is this sounding like you? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. Here is where the speculation about Brad and Jen reached its apex. Accusations and assumptions were thrown around wildly, especially in the press, so much so that it's hard to know what actually happened next. This is what we do know from the people who were there and lived through it versus what the tabloids claimed was going on. What we know is, in January 2005, Brad and Jen announced their separation. The tabloids speculated wildly about what could have happened and landed on a few of the following things. There were rumors that Brad didn't want to have children, though the media would eventually spin it the opposite way, despite quotes like the one earlier in the episode from Jen herself stating the contrary. In the 16 years since their separation, speculations on Jennifer Aniston's fertility and the possibility of her having a baby remains a tabloid staple. Both have denied that babies had anything to do with the separation, and frankly, no one should be assuming anybody's fertility or when they're going to have a baby. Was it perhaps the need to keep up appearances? From the second they appeared on the Emmy's red carpet together in 1999, Brad and Jen became America's first couple. There were rumors that the veneer of this seemingly picture-perfect relationship was wearing thin for Brad. He later admitted that a drug problem played a factor in the stress of this as well. The two actors were also both at the top of their fields at the time, and since film and television shows are no longer shot exclusively in Los Angeles and New York, meant that they were spending a lot of time apart in strange cities. While Jen was shooting The Good Girl in Los Angeles, Brad was off in Malta shooting Troy. Absence doesn't always make the heart grow fonder, and they would hardly be the first Hollywood couple to break up due to prolonged time apart. In fact, the entertainment industry has one of the highest divorce rates of any job field for this reason, coupled with the long working days. And of course, the most popular one was, perhaps there was an affair? While the most popular theory, and certainly the one that played out on tabloid covers the most, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie said that they fell in love while filming Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but did not carry out an affair until Brad's relationship with Jen was over. The facts of that are thus. Brad Pitt met Angelina Jolie in May 2004 on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The two played secret agents tasked with killing each other. Rumors exploded even during production that the two were having an affair on set, a fact that Angelina vehemently denied, stating that she would never have an affair with a married man due to her experience with her father cheating on her mother. Both of them denied any inappropriate relationship occurring while Brad and Jennifer were still together. Whatever the reason... Whether it be all of these things or some of these things or hell, even none of these things. The quote unquote fairy tale of Brad and Jen was at its end. Brad and Jen issued the following statement regarding their separation. Quote, we would like to announce that after seven years together, we have decided to formally separate. For those who follow these sorts of things, we would like to explain that our separation is not the result of any of the speculation reported by the tabloid media. This decision is the result of much thoughtful consideration. We happily remain committed and caring friends with great love and admiration for one another. We ask in advance for your kindness and sensitivity in the coming months. Needless to say, the press did not honor this wish. You said you were not going to be defined by 
this divorce. Mm. And I thought that I just went, yes, right. because so many people get stuck wherever they were mm -hmm. in their lives and they never move on. Right. Yeah. They can't move through it. Well, you know, and it's also the media won't yeah. move on. Yeah. So it's it's sort of hard when you, and energetically you have all of that coming at you and you've moved on and you yeah. sort of just want to say, come on, people, turn a page. Turn a page. <laughs> While Brad and Jen's divorce was pending, Brangelina was on. The two took a much-reported-on vacation in Kenya together in the summer of 2005, in which a paparazzi photo was taken of the two on a beach with Angelina's son Maddox, coupled with a W magazine spread entitled Domestic Bliss that was apparently shot earlier in March of that year, the same month that Jen had officially filed for divorce. When asked about the images, Jen said Brad must not have a, quote, sensitivity chip in his head. The Pitt-Aniston divorce was finalized in October 2005, and by January 2006, Brangelina was expecting their third child. Angelina had previously adopted two children before the two began dating. Brad would eventually adopt these two children and another that the couple would adopt together in 2007. Shiloh, the couple's first biological child, was born in Namibia on May 27, 2006. The first pictures of the child were bought for $4.1 and $3.5 million, and all proceeds were given to UNICEF. The couple would have two more biological children in July 2008, for a total of six kids. While all of this played out, the tabloids were rampant about Jen's broken heart and such, but based on quotes and interviews down the line, this all seems like hearsay and tabloid fodder. Continually hounded about her own life, Jennifer would say that her relationship with Pitt, which she does not regret, was, quote, seven very intense years together, and that, quote, it was a beautiful, complicated relationship. Despite her personal life being slapped across magazine covers, Jennifer became the only real member of the Friends cast to seemingly transition into film roles. She starred in 10 films between 2005 to 2010, even stepping into the director's chair for two short films. On the personal side of things, she dated John Mayer for a year or so before she started dating Justin Theroux, a fellow actor and screenwriter. After nine years together, Brad and Angelina were married on August 23rd, 2014 in France. Unlike his first marriage, in which only one official photograph was released, an entire spread was done in People magazine featuring the happy couple and their children. Jen remarried not long after to Justin Thoreau on August 15th, 2015 at the home the couple shared together. The saga of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie is its own beast, one that, like his relationship with Jen, is more tabloid fodder than anything else, and something we're not getting into here, especially since there are a ton of kids involved who are still kids, and that feels kind of messed up to talk about, even when only dealing with the facts. So, like what happened in his marriage with Jen, when Brad and Angelina announced their divorce in 2016, the rumor mill swirled. What the truth was, or the part that has been made public, is that Angelina filed for divorce for, quote, the health of her family. What that meant at the time, no one knew for sure. There were rumors of drug and alcohol abuse on Brad's end, which culminated in him getting into some kind of altercation with his oldest son. That is all that is known for sure, and this came from Angelina's camp. 
Brad later cited alcohol abuse as a problem in his life and has since stopped drinking. Jennifer and Justin separated not long after at the end of 2017. Of course, because why wouldn't they? The tabloids began speculating that Brad and Jen might get back together, despite the fact that they hadn't had any dealings with each other in over 10 years. What happened next did not help Jen and Brad on the tabloid front. Here are the facts. Jen and Brad began having a texting relationship around 2016, something that both respective spouses were aware of. This allegedly started as the first person facts are a tad dicey after Jen's mother's death in 2016. While the romantic relationship side of their lives was still null, the two did manage to broker a friendship. When Vanity Fair asked how she felt about her two marriages ending in 2018, Jennifer said, Quote, I don't feel a void. I really don't. My marriages, they've been very successful, in my personal opinion. And when they came to an end, it was a choice that was made because we chose to be happy, and sometimes happiness didn't exist within that arrangement anymore. Brad would attend Jen's 50th birthday in 2019, as well as her Christmas party that same year, which had the press chomping at the bit and churning out stories about a possible reconciliation between the two. According to the two people actually involved in this friendship, this has never been a part of their new life as friends. Last year, during the 2020 award season, both were up for several awards for their respective works. Brad for his in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Jen for Morning Show. Both took home awards at different ceremonies and the cameras always seemed to find the other in the audience during their acceptance speeches. Pictures were snapped of the two backstage rooting for each other, and at the SAG Awards, Brad cheered her on from backstage when she won. Following that win came the first public image of Brad and Jen in over 15 years. In 2020, during the COVID quarantines, the two took part in a Fast Times at Ridgemont High table read, which raised money for CORE, a charity organization founded by Sean Penn. During the table read, Jen called Brad cute, which made him blush, and it set off the machine once more. Words like steamy, flirty, and awkward were used to describe the moment because that's going to get eyes on the article or video. I was going to pull audio from it for this episode, but everything to me was pretty innocuous. It just looks, and sounds, like two people who have had a lot of shit said about them over the last 20 years finally finding peace with each other and the important role they both played in each other's lives. Let's be honest, it was a difficult part. A guy who gets high, takes his shirt off, and doesn't get on with his wife. It's a big stretch. It's big... Listen, I love our communities. I love our communities so much. Um, it's been amazing to me. Each, I've met so many amazing people along the way. Each of us in this room, you know, we know pain, we know loneliness. We bring that to the screen. We know moments of grace. We've had moments of wisdom. We bring that to the screen. We've all had a laugh at our ridiculousness. And we know funny. And we bring that to the screen. And. God damn, I think that's a worthy endeavor. Uh, um, I've been banging away at this thing for 30 years. I, I, I think the simple math is some projects work and some don't, and there's no reason to belabor either one. 
just get on to the next and keep telling stories. Thank you for this. After a month of really diving deep into tabloids and fluff pieces, after seven or eight months of heavy historical research on the other topics I've covered on this podcast, really made me change the way I look at celebrity coverage. I've enjoyed the odd celebrity scandal like the next person, but like with a lot of things since I've started this podcast, I've researched something so aggressively that all the fun got sucked out of it. When looking at tabloids and tabloid journalism, the most obvious thing for me as a woman is how undeniably sexist the industry as a whole is from critiquing what someone looks like to the people they spend their time with. When I was researching Liz Taylor and Marilyn Monroe, there was a treasure trove of content categorized by each marriage and relationship and alleged relationship and public life choice they'd ever made. With Clark Gable, whom had been married more times than Marilyn or Brad and Jen combined, there was next to nothing. A lot of this had to do with the fact that a woman's sexual appetites were then, and frankly still are, considered more salacious than a man's. They certainly sell more papers. Additionally, women are still vastly more sexualized in magazines and tabloids than their male counterparts are. Relationships like Brad and Jen's were hardly the first to be aggressively covered in the tabloids. Elizabeth Taylor's entire career was basically shaped by hers. For nearly a decade, her and Richard Burton made a ton of films together to capitalize on their portrayal in the media. This was mostly done to appease the people whom were signing their paychecks. Back in the early 2000s, celebrities like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston were at the mercy of the ever-growing pools of paparazzi whom stalked their every movements, forcing them to maintain the public versions of themselves in their private lives. Celebrities were hounded on the streets, and in the case of Jennifer Lopez and former husband Mark Antony, had to contend with helicopters flying over their wedding ceremony due to the press trying to take pictures. With exposés and documentaries like the New York Times coverage of Britney Spears and how the media likely played a part in her mental breakdown, it becomes more and more apparent that there need to be changes made to the ethical nature of tabloid journalism. It's hardly the stuff of world wars and famines, but this reckless reporting can destroy lives, and it's definitely something in need of change. The early days of molding a celebrity and uplifting them in the press has, due to sites like TMZ and Perez Hilton, shifted more to tearing them down. Tabloids aren't going anywhere anytime soon, though they have seen a reduction in prevalence since the rise of social media, where public figures can more or less directly affect their own public perception. Other outlets like People Magazine and Entertainment Tonight are also used by celebrities in conjunction with their publicists and agents to combat the gossip sites that came out of the digital age of the 2000s, independent of the entertainment industry. This doesn't completely stop photographs or stories about them being published in magazines, but it has reduced the tabloid market as a whole. Allowing them to become their own paparazzi has given celebrities a level of power that actors and actresses haven't had since the end of the studio system back in the 1950s. Public figures also had to fight for what little privacy they are afforded in public when it comes to their own children. It's only been the last seven years or so that their children's faces couldn't be published in magazines or online by strangers. This only happened after people like Halle Berry and Jennifer Garner went to California Congress to get a law passed protecting their kids. However, publications are still allowed to publish photos of children if they are photographed at a public event. Before that, it was open season. Like you should in life with anything you hear about secondhand, make sure you're taking stories about people you don't know with a grain of salt. 
Yes, it can be fun to speculate how the other half lives, but remember that words matter and they can build people up as well as break them down. We as consumers of media have a responsibility when it comes to feeding into the tabloid culture and by doing so, reinforcing and empowering certain individuals, telling them that it's okay to essentially stalk people on the street and treat them like zoo animals because we find that entertaining. Yes, of course, there's an exchange of privacy that comes with being rich and famous, but it doesn't feel like it's too much of an ask to afford them with some level of anonymity and dignity. Like I said, hardly the worldwide emergency of climate change or hunger or poverty, but probably an easier one to fix as all it requires is a touch of human decency. So I don't know if everybody read the Huffington Post uh, uh, op-ed piece that, uh, would you call it an op-ed piece yeah. you wrote? I don't know, it's, essay, what do they call yeah, it? Yeah, it was a beautiful uh, reaction, finally, after all that time of everyone telling you you were pregnant or divorced or whatever Miserable. and talking about the tabloids. It was so eloquently written. It was so beautiful. If you get Thank a chance you. to find it, it, it was really... Amazing. Thanks, sweetheart. I'm glad you did that. I'm too. I didn't, you know, I did it at first really for myself, just to sort of, you know, we kind of write, don't necessarily send it. Or um, at least since I was a kid, I did that. And uh, I, yeah, I kind of hit a wall. I was pretty raw at the time. Um, Just came back from a vacation. We'd had my mother sort of have sort of, she passed. (laughs) And it was a really extraordinary experience in time. And so I was really thrown by all of, because we landed, we came back from pretty much being nowhere. We didn't know, I mean, we knew where we were, but it was empty. (laughs) We just got dropped down on some island. (laughs) Um, No, and and we were mobbed, like a scary kind of mob. Like, I didn't know what what was happening. I kept thinking, like, is Kim Kardashian behind me or something? This was very strange. And then it turns out that another wonderful photograph, which I've had to sort of live with for the last, God, 10, 15 years of picture of me with a bump and a circle around my stomach with an arrow pointing to it in just this sort of disgustingly objectifying kind of way. And I was just fed up with it. And I think these these tabloids, all of us, need to take responsibility on, on what we... In, ingest into our brains because just because we're women we have a uterus we have a vagina we have ovaries we need to like get to work lady as opposed to hello freedom metal we have we as women do a lot of incredible things in this world other than just procreate and not that that is not and that's gonna do it for this week If there's anything you'd like me to cover in the future, please reach out on social media, where I also post photos for each episode. At Tinsel Factory Pod on Instagram, at Tinsel underscore Factory on Twitter, at Facebook, at The Tinsel Factory, or if you have any questions, you can always email me at TinselFactoryPod at gmail.com. I'm relying on word of mouth to get this podcast out there, so if you could please rate, review, and subscribe, and maybe even share it on your social media so that other people can find this podcast, that would be a huge help. In order to keep making this podcast, I've also set up a support page, the link of which you can find in the show notes. I've also got merch. Check it out in the show notes. Next month, the theme is March Murder Madness, our first month dedicated to true crime. Next week, we're covering a series of murders that brought Hollywood to its knees, Sharon Tate and the Manson murders. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, that's a wrap. Hi. Hey, sweetie. Oh, good. Rachel Green.
Oh, oh, that's right. Are, are you going to be okay? Oh, I'll, I'll be fine. It's just... God, I hate her, Ross. I hate her. <laughs> Will, high school was, was a long time ago. Look at her standing there with those yams. My two greatest enemies, Ross. Rachel Green and complex carbohydrates. <laughs>